Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 15th of February 2011. Newcomers to the show, please look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and bookmark all the sites you see listed there. If you find sticking on downloads of any of the audios, there's hundreds of them to choose from, uh, then try these alternate sites. And remember, too, a lot of these sites carry a lot of transcripts for print-up as well in English. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu, which is also listed on the site, and help yourselves. There's a whole bunch to choose from. And remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on the advertisers to sell you things, so it's up to you to help me just tickle or tick over. Sometimes it's a tickle over, basically, because uh, you hang on with the skin of your teeth sometimes and wait to see what comes in, and that's what I'm doing at the moment. So you can buy the books and discs that I have for sale, and the books are different from other books you'll ever read because I don't go into the usual history nonsense. It's history is his story. It's of Hoover wins the battles. And Hoover runs the money system, gets the books written by competent historians, as they call them. So I show you different techniques of understanding the chronology, and it's an art to science, the chronology of the past and present, the, the type that gives you your present reality and how those in the past were fooled as well. That's what we live through. It's a vast, amazing system we live in under governance, as I like to call it now. So from the U.S. to Canada to order, you can always use uh, a personal check or an international postal money order from your post office. You can use PayPal, just to use the the donation button and follow it with an email with your name address and order, and I'll get it out to you. Same across the rest of the world. You've got Western Union for direct wire transfer. Uh, Cheaper still is MoneyGram. They'll also give you a check if you don't want to wire, and you can post that off. It's a lot cheaper. Uh, Some people send cash. And you can use PayPal again to order, uh, use the donation button. And remember, two donations are definitely appreciated. Sometimes I just get a few donations that get me over that cusp of the wave there into the following month. Because we're going through the, the biggest changes, and I've said this for so long now, because uh, I remember some of the, the big boys like Rockefeller talking about it himself a long time ago, the biggest changes that the world's experienced since the Industrial Revolution. And you've got to understand that at one time most folk lived in, uh, on, rural, uh, on rural lands, basically, on farmlands, and the Industrial Era changed all that. They, they forced the folk off the lands. They dumped uh, food across Europe, dirt cheap stuff until the peasants were moved off the land into these awful cities like Birmingham that now still stands, this old dirty town. And uh, they had all the cheap labor that they wanted, and that happened all across Europe as well. And eventually, of course, uh, thanks to the Great Depression, they managed to get most folk of the U.S. living in the cities as well. And now, of course, they're all concentrated there, and the industrial year is over. They're left with a service economy, and that was explained a long time ago in Britain when they were told that they'd now joined the, the common market or they were joining it. Uh, that common market, they called it before they called it the Amalgamation Pact. 
And uh, they, taught, they said the surface economy is like a dog in a swimming pool. Uh, they can only paddle for so long before it sinks if it can't get out. That's what a service economy is. That's what we have in North America because they decided a long time ago that China would be built up with our money, of course, to be the manufacturer of the world. And it was done again through the World Trade Organization and then followed up by the GATT Treaty, the GATT Treaty. And uh, we helped to finance it. We're still financing China yet, even though it's raking in the cash, even though it holds America's debt, the majority of the, the debt for the U.S., uh, this communist country, amazing communism supposedly is, is, it was the opposite of capitalism, and it's still a communist country, but it's capitalist as well. That's something to get your head around, isn't it? Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, we're back and cutting through the matrix. Yesterday I went on about conformity and the scientific studies that have been done in psychology. Uh, and there's nothing really new in this all this stuff because it's repeats of repeats of repeats that have been done in previous centuries, believe it or not. It's just that we're always meant to think that uh, uh, these things are just happening now. And even that study was, is very, very old, the one I put up yesterday. But conformity is behind um, so much. The, the, the big merchant bankers that were also the merchants, of course, and at least owned lots of merchants, uh, knew how to introduce whole fashions in previous centuries into populations until they could even dress guys up like peacocks and tights and little little frilly things around their, their necks and their, their um, and, and their arms and so on. Uh, they can do anything, and wear wigs too. Of course, they should bring it all back. Now it would fit in easier. But but the thing is, they've always known how to do this thing. And women too, with the big things and their rear ends look so huge in previous ages as well. Anything can be done to the general public if you know how to introduce it and get the right person at the top to first, whether even you pay them to do it, model it basically to the public, and the public follows suit. It's a well-understood technique from from their observations and commerce. And this evolved eventually into psychology. And, of course, we have many books from the past that have described the conformity of the human being and how we'll go along with the majority to get along. Even though uh, what you're hearing is, doesn't go uh, uh, along with what you've experienced in your own life, uh, even though you see something different, uh, as long as the majority agree you will accept what they say i'll put another link up tonight and it's, it's another one that's, that's been done many times over since the, the 1950s and it's solomon ash experiments and that's a-s-c-h and i'll put the link up for that so cutting through the matrix.com at the end of the show but uh, they found out the same thing they put up it's really interesting too if you were the only real subject test subject, you wouldn't know it, they'd bring a whole bunch in with you who were all basically actors, and they would all agree that that line was bigger or smaller than that line next to it, and you would find yourself starting to agree with them because you don't want to to have them um, ridicule you. But there's more to it than that, because even last night, I think I mentioned the poem, or, or I mentioned in the show, one of the, one of the two, uh, that the public can be turned against the person who stands up and says, no, the king has no clothes. They can actually, you'll actually find that happening. And they found that too with the Milgard experiments on the prison. Uh, I put links up before in the archives section. It was done through Harvard, I believe. 
uh, and that's where they made a, uh, a model prison and brought uh, volunteers in and people uh, quickly assumed the role of prisoner, the ones who were designated so, and the other ones uh, became the prison guards. And before 24 hours was out, they were at each other's throats, uh, really taking on the roles that they were put into. Uh, it's just amazing. But what they found too is when they brought in a, a, a more recent subject into it, who hadn't been there for two or three days, he immediately saw how crazy he had become, and um, he would go off and he would just simply go on a starvation diet. That actually happened, a starvation diet. And the rest of them, the rest of the so-called model prisoners, these volunteers, uh, would turn on this one because, because of him their privileges were reduced because he wasn't cooperating. They can easily make the crowd turn on you for being different. And that's what's used across the board in today's society. You will see it in all the ads as well. Even in Canada, that they use this quite a bit in ads for flu injections, etc. Do you know that you're endangering others if you haven't had your flu shot? Technically, if the science is correct, all those with the flu shots should, should um, be fine and safe uh, against the one who hasn't had the flu shot, obviously. But people don't think that far. You see, so you don't need truth involved in it. It's not to do with truth. It's to get some, someone wants to get their way with you. And that's what advertising is all about. Getting their way with you. People don't think too deeply about anything at all, in fact. Unfortunately. But now that, that's a fact. Uh, even more so today because, uh, in their free time, they're always listening to either audio or music or they're watching videos, they're, they're losing their ability to read or even stand back and think quietly. They've got to be downloaded with some noise or some external stimuli all the time. And that's, again, a fantastic technique for controlling millions of people across the world, billions eventually. So Solomon Ash experiment, 1958, as I say, I'll put that one up. There's thousands of them out there, these experiments. And these are the low-end experiments, by the way, that... that um, were done on much higher levels. What's interesting about this one, too, is that uh, the movie, I think it's called The Game, um, that uh, Douglas was in, the actor, not the, not the daddy, but the son, was in, uh, was basically based on this kind of formula where in the game, uh, very rich people could be put into the game without their knowledge, and everyone around them that they knew so well was in on the act and, and, and accepted subject themselves. Very interesting movie, well worth watching, because you can truly be fooled by those around you, and especially by those who control the whole situation. So I'll put that up tonight. And I've mentioned too about this global warming nonsense, and of course I've read articles from Rothschild's um, bank in Switzerland, their, their family bank, who wants the rights to, I think they got it actually, um, put all the carbon or energy taxes, they can call it both things now, uh, through their bank. And that's for the whole of Europe and the world. That's an awful lot of cash to go through second by second, gathering interest and getting invested all over the world before it goes to where it's supposed to go. But that's total control. And one way or another, as I've said before, they'll get what they want because they don't make plans at that level since money runs the world. All of the world, including all the military and all of the acts of the military, is all to do with economics. And those guys at the top always get what they want because we allow it to be so. And your governments are just lackeys, just absolute lackeys to the monetary system.
and they enable it too. And they know it darn well, the ones who are in it, by the way. But here's what's coming, and I've mentioned this for, you, for, for since 2001, uh, that all of the aspects of war must come forth now because uh, that means food rationing eventually, uh, gasoline, all energies, etc., will all a full war scenario, including people being moved from where they are to other areas. And that's, of course, the rural areas to the cities because Agenda 21, the Millennial Project, is the Millennium Project is truly rolling out uh, all over the place now, little articles here and there. But in Britain, of course, it's a flagship for all of this to follow. And uh, it says motorists now face the prospect of gasoline or petrol rationing. They call it petrol over there. So motorists face alarming prospect of petrol rationing as the latest weapon in the war against drivers that emerged yesterday. The proposal has been made by an influential group of members of parliament uh, that's prostitutes, which claims there is an urgent need for fuel use to be slashed to meet green targets. You see, green targets. Well, these politicians all be on the green board, you see, and they'll get backhanders. It's amazing how the money goes round in circles in those, those organizations. The scandal came as experts, experts warned. Who, who's an expert in fuel? Uh, that said that the fuel prices could hit £8 a gallon due to increased taxes and rising crude oil prices. Under the move, all adults will be given a set number of free energy tokens. Now, that's how they kicked off the carbon market in Europe, which would be offset against any fuel burnt in a vehicle or at home. Or at home, remember. Remember that part, you know, or at home. But critics slammed the plan. And this is just a, the usual dialectic they give you in these stories. But critics, you always get critics, slammed the plan as absolute lunacy and said the controversial proposals would, would hit already stretched drivers' pockets. So they always tell you the truth, but nothing happens. And then the, the Royal Automobile Club, that's the REC over there, the foundation, it's a big foundation, has warned that fuel could hit £8 a gallon, 175 a litre in parts of the country after it emerged that some uh, gasoline stations in the Orkney Islands are charging pound fifty a litre. The all-parliamentary group on peak oil made the bid for weekly fuel quotas already. The group of 20 parliamentarians from the main parties argued that limiting what drivers consume would deal with global energy shortages and the climate crisis. Now, number one, we're back again. Should we feed the world? Blah, 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 blah. How come we suddenly stop feeding ourselves? We've got to feed the world. We've got to make sure that China gets enough gasoline since they've set it up to be the manufacturer for the planet, right? I can remember I used to travel across the North Sea uh, in, in the ships to Norway and Denmark and different places. And I used to meet people, uh, executives, who were working for British Petroleum and Shell and all, and as they were drilling all over the North Sea and they were just putting these things up everywhere. And in the late 70s, uh, I was told by about three or four of them on separate occasions that they'd found enough oil there to keep Britain going for a couple of hundred years. And they were still going like crazy, finding new pockets all the time. That was still the early days. But that, but reality doesn't matter because you see there's a different agenda behind all the rationing stuff is to bring in the new society, the big society where, well, you can walk to where you want to go because you won't be allowed to walk much further outside your little area. And anything else will be used. You'll be using under Agenda 21 public transportation because you see that's uh, already been decided. And anyway, says the committee has proposed a weekly electronic energy rationing system called TEQs, TEX, Tradable Energy Quotas, that would be distributed for free to all adults. That's how you kick it off, you see. 
Any extra units can be bought while surplus units can be sold. The claim the system would work like a credit card and be as easy as chopping up an Oyster card or mobile phone. No kidding, eh? One unit represents one kilogram of carbon dioxide. What a joke, eh? What a joke. So the amount of emissions produced by gasoline would be deducted from a TEQ account. And, of course, then you could sell your excess, which you won't have, and then they'll reduce the quota every year. God, we're just like animals getting trained, isn't it? Trained step by step into the abyss. They're such liars. But, again, they're using psychology again, and they've got lots of psychologists and teams all working with their prompts and so on, and their little buzzwords and catchphrases and slogans to get us to where they want us to be, in a straitjacket, basically, starving to death. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back in Cutting Through the Matrix talking about the coming energy taxes basically and if we don't like carbon, they'll give you energy taxes instead, you see. Whatever they call it doesn't really matter. It's all the same con game and uh, no, from, no doubt from the same author in fact and they do have authors who come up with all this stuff and the whole think tanks, they come up with terms etc. to get the agendas through. But uh, they go into the usual dialectics, they say, and even the, the Automobile Association goes into its, oh, it's ridiculous, the academics' brainwaves typically get out of touch with reality and so on, and all that stuff, the usual stuff. But what, what, what choice do the public get when it comes to it? Well, the choice is to stop driving altogether and watch the stations close and bring the country to a halt. That's a choice you do have. At one time, they would have actually, even during the miners' strike, there was far more support for what was going on in there. There's just nothing left in them today. There's nothing, they can take anything that's dished out to them. Then they're going to opt and say that oh, people will be allowed to trade units they don't use, which as usual will hit the lower income driver who becomes priced off the road. And you will get these silly little fools that do scratch and win tickets that think they can save them up. You know, oh, well, I'll, I'll get wealthy on this. I'll get wealthy on this. It's silly little idiots that they are. There's always a, a, you know, a few in the lower end of the IQ level that they jump in on this kind of stuff. And really that's what it's designed for, the whole idea of it. Oh, well, maybe I can save them up and, and get cash back by trading them like, like, like football cards. And it says it would be open for abuse by greedy individuals and politicians. Well, no, no. Greedy individuals and politicians. What a, what a thought, eh? Well, the, the European Union, this next article here just kind of goes into that, touches a little bit, bit on that. The European Union, now this super Soviet system that everyone must send politicians to to pretend that you actually have this super government going. The the EU blows a staggering £230 million uh, on sending members of the European Parliament and their bureaucrats to the Seychelles and other paradise destinations. Well, that's not corruption or nothing. They probably just need a break from all the hard work that they do, you know, scamming the public. It says the EU blew £230 million last last year on junkets to exotic locations, including the Seychelles. Uh, Members of the European Parliament and bureaucrats enjoyed dozens of taxpayer-funded trips and fact-finding missions in 2010, the research reveals. They even go to to see the red light districts in, in, in Amsterdam and stuff like that, you know, just to get tips on how to run their own countries. 
and maybe to be pimps as well. A visit for seven members of the European Parliament to the Seychelles cost £50,000 in hotel and travel expenses, while £77,000 was spent on a trip for 45 to Kinshasa in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And it says both trips put climate change high on the agenda. The, uh, climate change, no kidding, the fact that they're jetting all over the planet. It says despite the fact that the flights, the flights generated more than 90 tons of carbon dioxide. Well, I wonder if it really did that too. The cost of the trips was revealed by Open Europe, a think tank that campaigns for greater transparency in Brussels. Well, they give you a frosted glass transparency, and that's as much as you're going to get, folks, because this is just scratching the surface of the incredible corruption that goes on in every government across the planet. Toronto even, I remember they sent a bunch of their own councillors off to do the same thing. The mayor took some a few years back over, and he went to Amsterdam too. too. He thought it was a great idea bringing a, a red light district to Toronto. And uh, no doubt he would be quite happy being the pimp. He, he was into everything else at the same time, so why not? Now, there's a caller, Daniel, from the UK. Are you there, Daniel? Uh, yes, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can, yeah. yeah okay, I, I just wondered if you saw that um, article. I know you can't read everything, but I think it was in the Express um, from England the other day about Prince Charles and his comments on the climate change. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd just like to read you a small section. Yeah, go um, ahead. It says, uh, the Prince suggested climate change sceptics were having a corrosive effect on public opinion by saying that hundreds of scientists around the world uh, were somehow conspiring to present a false image of man-made global warming in an attempt to destroy the world economy. Now, I thought that was quite interesting because... I've never heard any of them actually come out with that mm-hmm. before. Well, as you know, he's a, a front man too, and he's the prince with no function. As I said, years ago, they defined him a function, so they gave him a front story for it too. This is a guy who's living on the public purse, mind you, with taxpayers, and they, they buy, you know, there's a mother dipping into money designated for, for the poor folk in Britain to heat her palaces while she's a, a multi-trillionaires. I mean, uh, the, you got to understand what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with utter liars and cheats uh, that will take the last penny off you uh, to get what they want. And they want this big thing to go through because it's a global agenda. And... Um, uh, that's why they got him. Look, look at all the, the associations his, his daddy's into. The guy that was thrown out of Greece, they didn't want him either, even though he's really Austrian. Um, it's astonishing. And you got to remember, too, his daddy, uh, his daddy uh, and his daddy uh, were Nazis during World War II. They had Hitler's given by Adolf Hitler to them. I mean, this is the same world socialist agenda on the go by the same characters using a lot of con games to get us to buckle under into this new well-behaved society. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just surprised because um, I never heard any of them actually come out with it, how it actually, how it actually is, because there's no explanation as to how he came to that conclusion. You know, he didn't mention um, any instances of which members of the public suggested um, this was fabricated in order to destroy the world economy. Um, mm-hmm. yep. This is what it is actually supposed to do, I suppose. You know, that's what you know w- we think it is. And um, I've just never heard. What I'm trying to say is, I never heard them actually come out with it as it actually is. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt about it. So, as, as I say, it's a it's a it's a big agenda. They're not going to back off on this agenda. I don't care what they call it. They'll keep at it until they get what they want, and they must introduce it first in Britain and then the rest of the world, as you know. But thanks for calling. Back with more after this.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back and cutting through the matrix. You know, the... I've been seeing for years, too, that uh, to do with conformity in the military and so on, how people will do what they're told. Did people do what they're told in uniform? That's a whole trick of training them in uniform. If they're all dressed in different clothing, that wouldn't go quite so smoothly. But you get them all to really identify with each other as each other, projections of each other in a sense. And you build the team, the teamwork thing that was pushed in the 60s and 70s, the company man type thing, to a, a far greater degree for the military. And these guys, as has been shown in the Soviet system and in the Nazi Germany system, all totalitarian systems, they will turn on their own people and kill them if they're told to. It's the same as the, as the experiment on the prison I was talking about earlier uh, with Mulgaard experiments, and uh, it will always work that way. And they've been building up internal armies to do this very thing for years. In fact, they've, they've actually risen, they've raised a generation, I should say, um, on video games and killing and moral relativity and so on to do just that. And that's who's in the uniforms today. Here's an article here for the U.S. It's Wisconsin National Guard preps for worker unrest after governor unveils emergency budget. And it says, Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, Republican, unveiled an emergency budget proposal Friday to deal with the state's growing budget woes. Wisconsin has a $137 million deficit this year and faces a projected $2.9 billion budget shortfall for 2012 and 2013. Under Walker's plan, public employees would lose all of their collective bargaining rights except a limited negotiation of wages. State workers would also have to contribute more to their pension and health care benefit plans. Unions erupted in outrage as they learned about Walker's proposal. The governor told Milwaukee Public Radio that he has briefed the Wisconsin National Guard to prepare them for any worker unrest today. So this kind of stuff is definitely, they're all ready for it. And you know it too. We all, everyone who's listening here knows what's coming. We all know what's coming down the pike. And a lot of places, too, there'll be no riots at all until they bring in uh, the food shortages or rationing. And rationing will one day be used, just that they're going to ration gasoline. It will be used, too, for food. And guys like Bertrand Russell talked about that in his books in the 1930s and 40s. Big planner for this big part of the agenda that we're going through now. He was on the board planning the future with the big think tanks. And they do plan it. It's not, uh, we'd like to get this through. No, they plan to get it through and they make it happen. So we'll see what happens in, in that and other areas too. Or the public might be so contented with their entertainment and mind-bombed uh, and uh, injected with so many drugs uh, from their, their happy flu shots, etc., that they, they won't respond. Or they'll be harped to death as well. And yesterday I mentioned the, the CNN uh, videos. I put the links up on the line on, on, on my website uh, to do with 1985, I think it was, on HARP technologies, scalar weaponry technologies that they were practicing with back then. And they, sh- they, they gave you uh, the sound. They, they actually showed you in the in actual video in 85 what the, what's called the woodpecker sound of the HARP project sounded like on a shortwave radio. And at that time it was coming from Riga, uh, the Soviets had it, 
and um, and that was in, based in Latvia. And you can hear it quite plainly. Now, the same sound, as I say, has been used continuously 24 hours a day since 2000, the year 2000, and in 2001 it really stepped up till it's perpetual now. You'll hear the same frequencies. And remember, for those who have the ham radios, shortwave radios, you can tune into these particular frequencies that I'm going to read out and see the video first, listen to it, record the sound of the harp, and you'll hear the, the identical sound. It's the loudest sound you come across in the shortwave now. Uh, 8.545 megahertz is one. 8.570. This is before 12 o'clock noon. 12.815 and 12.850. 17.110, 18.370. Then after, um, and, and the afternoon, and sometimes between, uh, after 6 p.m., you'll hear it on 17.235 as well. So we're getting really blasted with this thing. Uh, they do talk about it in the 1985 video as altering the mind, uh, by the way. It can make you very placid or it can make you very aggressive depending on the particular frequency they decide to blast out. And we're all being soothed. That ties in with the technotronic warfare uh, that Brzezinski talked about in his book Between Two Ages. Uh, He said this would be used across whole continents. Well, guess what, folks? It has been and it is being used right now. Now, (laughs) apart from that, the food we're getting too, right? It's so amazing. You read article after article about the big... You understand these big food companies are part of the military-industrial complex. You've got to read the history of Monsanto. Better still read the history of the Monsanto family. There's actually a Monsanto family, believe it or not. But read read the history of the chemical engineering and warfare and so on to get understanding who's making your food. And if you feel comfortable with that, then I, I, you know don't bother listening to me anymore. And and please don't email because I don't I don't have anything to say to you. <laughs> It says, no seeds, no independent research. This is from the early times. Soybeans, corn, cotton, canola, most of the acres planted in these crops in the U.S. are genetically altered. Transgenic seeds reduce the use of some insecticides, but herbicide use is higher. And respected experts agree or argue that some genetically engineered crops may also pose serious health and environmental risks. The benefit of genetically engineered crops may be overstated. Well, I've read articles before where other independent um, studies on it, like watching, because you're not allowed to test it in the lab, by the way. They've actually got it sewn up that you can't test it independently. And there's freedom for you. And, and you think, when something's done in secrecy like this, with this kind of power of law behind it, it's not for the good of your health. Do you understand that? And they found the crops in different countries haven't uh, taken off at all. Some of them are, are, if the whole crop, if, 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 if something attacks the crop, the whole crop goes because they're all identical. Generally, in a crop of whatever, you've got a whole mixed variety of strains. And so many will survive. But with this stuff here, when something attacks the crop, it all, go, it all goes. Anyway. It says, we don't have the complete picture that that's no accident. Multi-billion dollar agricultural corporations, including Monsanto and Syngenta, have restricted independent research on their genetically engineered crops. They've often refused to provide independent scientists with seeds, or they've set restrictive conditions that severely limit research options. I mean, can you imagine the power when you can tell governments to outlaw anybody testing your product? This is food we're talking about here. We live on it, folks, not on electricity and the Internet. We live on food. 
It says this is legal under U.S. law. Genetically engineered crops are patentable inventions. Companies have broad power over the use of any patented product, including who can study it and how. So we can all die because of patents. That's okay, right? Agricultural companies defend their stonewalling by saying that unrestricted research could make them vulnerable to lawsuits. You're no kidding. If an experiment somehow leads to harm or that it could give competitors unfair insight into their products. But it's likely that their companies fear something else as well. An experiment could reveal that a genetically engineered product is hazardous or doesn't perform as promised. And I've gone through the articles here where those who worked on them in past, past times have said that every mammal that they tested these, this stuff on, especially potatoes and so on, uh, ended up having cancers of the stomach and intestines, just like it's skyrocketing today, but it must be a coincidence, right? Right? So, it says, whatever the reasons, the results are clear. Public sector research has been blocked. In 2009, university entomologists, uh, bug scientists, wrote a letter to the Environment Protection Agency protesting restricted access to seeds. No truly independent research can be legally conducted on many critical questions involving these crops. They are wrote, so you can't test them. It's illegal. But you've got to eat the stuff because your government's going to make darn sure that's all you have. And they've gone soaring ahead altering pretty well everything that's going into your mouth right now. Definitely in Canada. Eh? So, that's where we are, folks. This is a war against the public. What do you think they're talking about when they keep going on about overpopulation? Hmm? You think they're just wailing there, gnashing their teeth, sackcloth and ashes and, and wish lists that the people would just stop breeding? No, they do something about it, folks. They do something about it. It's warfare. I've read articles here when even the Rockefeller company made special rice. I think it was golden rice or something. And then the UN declared it was very good because it also decreased the sperm count in the males. It's very good for sterilization. They help the poor folk across the world, you understand. Uh, anyway. I'm putting up a, a link tonight too uh, to do with... Um, America's legacy is, is, uh, it shows you how the mutagenic war, these weaponry that they're using now across the world, how they've affected other countries. You'll see videos on uh, the, the children being born with two heads, uh, the, the typical stuff that you'll see after Hiroshima or Nagasaki, where they've been exposed to high doses of radiation from the depleted uranium. Now, depleted doesn't mean it's gone. This stuff has got a half-life, about half a million years or something. This means that whole area is contaminated, and it's a great way, too, to sterilize folk, because when you contaminate, you're generally sterile as well. So I'll put this link up, and you'll see the different ones from Vietnam all through to the wars they've had so far. And um, it says here, In Iraq, Baghdad's hospitals are filled with grieving families of children born with deformities and cancers. In Fallujah, the site of two devastating U.S. attacks in 2004, children now suffer from cancer at rates greater than those experienced by the survivors of the U.S. atomic bombing of Hiroshima. In November 2004, Operation Phantom Fury destroyed 70% of the homes and shops in in what was called the City of Mosques. An Iraq Health Ministry official charged that U.S. used internationally banned weapons in the assault, including napalm, phosphorus bombs, chemical weapons, and shells containing depleted uranium. And uh, it's, it's quite a few videos here that you can go into and see. But uh, that's the agenda, folks. And after all, you know, there's just 
too many folk over there going to cause trouble in the future for certain peoples, and we've got to get rid of them. And that's really what's happening at the moment. What a great way to do it, because this is this will only be intergener- intergenerational mutations that you only find there, and uh, lots of problems. Yeah, it's, it's quite something. And all the big boys, of course, in Britain, in politics, and the U.S., uh, all have sh- massive shares. They, vo- they actually get shares in all this weaponry. When they go into, I can remember two of the officers going off to Vietnam, they were getting offered shares in the weaponry they were using over there by the big companies like Monsanto, including Agent Orange that they sprayed everybody with. And lots of guys came down with cancers from that too. Terrible, terrible problems afterwards. Now, another article I'm putting up too is the Anglosphere plots uh, color revolutions around the world. And it says, uh, Hosni Mubarak has resigned the Egyptian color revolution uh, carried out by heroic people risking life and limb has been apparently a success. I only wish it were that simple, but there's ample evidence the revolution has been manipulated and the Anglo-American elite plans to replicate the Egyptian revolution, not just in the Middle East, but worldwide via the use of Internet and swelling youth demographics. The latest and most astonishing global gambit is called AYM. Uh, by the way, I think, remember, we're under a form where the, of system where the elite are really fascists at the top. They use a massive socialist agenda for the public. You, I mean, you can't beat control. You can't beat socialism for controlling the public. Ask the Soviet system or, or the new economic union of Europe. It's the same thing. It says the latest and most astonishing global gambit is called AYM and they're the young youth leagues, the young communist leagues as well across the world and the common turn too of which Pierre Trudeau was a member. He became Prime Minister of Canada a while back. And Wikipedia provides us with some information about the group as follows. The Alliance for Youth Movements began with a December 2008 summit in New York City to identify, convene, and engage 21st century movements online for the first time in history. So it's a form of online battle. The United States Department of State partnered with Facebook, uh, Howcast, MTV, Google, YouTube, AT&T, and JetBlue. Gen Next, Access 360 Media, and Columbia Law School. They were all there at this meeting to launch a global network and empower young people mobilizing against violence and oppression. But it was actually funded by the State Department. According to Wikipedia, the founders of AYM include Jared Cohen, former advisor to both Secretaries of State, Condoleezza Rice and Hillary Clinton, and now Director of Google Ideas at Google. That's handy, isn't it? Since it really is a department of the NSA and... and uh, MI6. But it says Jason Lieberman, CEO and co-founder of Howcast, and Roman Sunder, co-founder of Access 360 Media. Speakers at the 2008 summit included actress Whoopi Goldberg, well, no kidding, eh? Facebook co-founder Dustin Muscovich, the Obama campaign's new media team, and then current Undersecretary of State for Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs of the United States, James K. Glassman. A 2010 article at Wired.com covered a recent AYM summit in breathless detail as follows. I'm at the Alliance for Youth Movements Summit in London at the Intercontinental Hotel. They fly them all over the place in these wonderful charitable groups. The two-day summit, which ends tomorrow, is an impressive gathering of youth activists from more than 18 countries, NGOs and tech giants, here to learn more about using online tools to promote their extraordinary range of social movements and promote non-violent change. The Wired article entitled AYM Summit, a meetup for the world's youth activists, then further explains the transformative changes that the world's youth are capable of making. And this is what they say. 
At the opening reception last night, hosted at Google's headquarters, I met a smart bunch of people from organizations such as Blue State Digital, which ran Obama's online campaign, Howcast Middle East Peace Activists One Voice, and the East London-based Young Foundation. But they dropped the Marxist part from it now, but it's still Marx. And the highlight is an A-list bunch of conference speakers at the conference today and tomorrow, including Jack Dorsey of Twitter, Sir Martin Sorrell of WPP, Scott Heiferman of Meetup, as well as top people from Google, YouTube, and the World Bank. No kidding. Eh? Other keynote speakers included Jeremy Gilley, the former actor who founded Peace One Day, and Joe Rosbars, who was the new media director for Obama for America. There's strong representation here from Washington, D.C. This morning, Jared Cohen of the U.S. State Department moderated a session uh, titled Seizing the Moment, Responding to Crisis and Mobilizing Around Key Events. Uh, that had speakers from Mobile Accord, Yushahidi, Mazahari Law, Access Now, and the Censorship Research Center. And now sitting in a session called Turning Video into Tangible Action, featuring experts such as Ramya Baghaven of YouTube, Levi Felix of Coscast, and Chris Sarrett of Invisible Children. This is an inspiring event geared towards helping activists share top-level information and making connections. It's not. This is for the State Department and the big boys run the world to stir up trouble wherever they go, destroy the old cultures, bring in the new, and, of course, it's offer a wonderful utopia, according to these young idiots that, that do the, the following, and uh, it'll be a hell for all the rest of us, and, and them too when they grow up, if they even get to grow up. It says, the above was a report of the third AYM summit in 2010. Online you can find a transcription of Hillary Clinton's video message for Alliance of Youth Movement Summit. That was apparently a keynote for the second AYM summit in Mexico City, October 16, 2009. And I'll read an excerpt when I come back from dear old Hillary back after this. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. I'll put this link up too, as I say, and you can read Hillary's rousing speech to the youngsters, telling them that they're the ones who are the cutting edge of progress and so on. Exactly what they want to hear before they put on their black uniforms, because that's really what people... When you're young, you really want these kind of speeches when you belong to the crowd. You know, your generation. Talking about my generation, remember the song? And everyone's used in turn, and this bunch here are getting used too, except for the higher leaders in them too, because they know exactly what their function is supposed to be, is to bring down country after country. Now there's uh, Paul from Florida on the line there, Paul. Yes, sir. Hey, Alan. Yeah. I was wondering, I heard last week you mentioned Hollywood and their standardization of stars. I'm 50 years old and lived through a lot of what you said. Do you know anything about stars being replaced or celebrities being replaced. I know it's been rumored Doris Day um, been substituted, or some of these stars they get older, perhaps clever lookalikes, or um, uh, anything about that. Um, not really. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stars go on into older age as well. Uh, although, mind you, you can watch most movies today with all the stunts in them, and half the movie really they're always using stunt people who look like uh, the star and. Uh, uh, that's very, very common. You know, you don't get bounced off buildings and all that kind of stuff and get up and run away, uh, even in reality. But they use stunt people for a lot of these shots. 
And a lot of the, 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 the sex scenes too, they'll actually substitute other people who probably they dig out a brothel somewhere, you know, although I don't think they have much of a problem with today's society. I see. Thank you. How about, uh, with, um, have you ever heard about, like, cloning of um, presidents or important people? And, uh, no, they, they don't have to clone them because they're, they're, they're born prostitutes to start with. And, um, and, and they're picked years in advance, and they're told what they're going to be. They're told, but you're going to be president in 15 years, son, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay, thank you. There's a whole waiting list for them. I mean, it's, it's been like that for over a hundred years. Yeah. But thanks for calling. But, um, yeah, they're actually told in advance and they're vetted by all the ones who vet them to make sure that they'll keep their mouths shut, stick to their scripts, and they'll be fine. They'll, they'll be well paid like Tony Blair once they leave, leave office. They get, all get uh, ghost written books for them. They just sit there and wrote, raking the cash. They're told where to invest their money. It's done, done for them and they end up with millions and millions of pounds and dollars. And that's the standard. Quigley again goes through that whole process and says, and, and says that since the late 1800s, the United States hasn't had uh, a president that's been a mem- that has not been a member of this particular group that he was the historian for. So it doesn't matter who you vote. They're just front men. They're stooges. As you can well see, when Obama, look at the changes Obama's brought in. He, he, he's been bankrupted. He went along with it. He's bailed them out again umpteen times because he knows who his masters happen to be. Of course he go along with it. And, and even Rumsfeld's praised him for carrying on with all the war and the agenda for the same war, different country after country. Uh, nothing changes. But I lived, I've lived, lived long enough to see this happening my whole life in other countries as well. And so it's just a charade for the public to make them think they actually have some kind of voice. And then, of course, you vote your local rep in, and uh, if you ever get to see them, they'll say they'll, they'll bring something up in, in Parliament or, or the government, and then they tell you they can't really bring it up because it goes against their party policy, and he has to be on board, conformity again with the party policy. All these guys are trained seals hoping to get further up into the higher lies that run the world if they can keep their mouth shut, and that's what they're tested on. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's school with you.